Hello, listeners. Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Include it with Prime. You are listening to Canadian Gothic, a series by the Nighttime Podcast. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Canadian Gothic, a weekly series in which Madeleine Klein and I discuss some of Canada's darkest moments. In tonight's episode, we will again revisit the story of the alleged doula duper, Caitlin Braun. If you recall the prior discussions, we learned about a 24-year-old Brantford, Ontario woman who had been arrested on a collection of charges related to allegations that she had been conning doulas into caring for her during her many non-existent pregnancies and their imagined complications. In this episode, we're going to look at this case from an altogether different angle. Shortly, we're going to be joined by two active doulas who had both been approached by Caitlin during her prolific search for doulas across Canada. During these conversations, we're going to learn a lot about their work as doulas, and we're going to learn how Caitlin Braun's story may forever change the important work they do. So let's get into it. For eight days back in November of last year, she thought her client was pregnant with a stillborn child after a sexual assault, even coaching her as she went through labor. The moans, the sounds she would make were all very realistic. She even would go as far as to vomit, which is the normal thing. At one point, um, we were told she was in the ICU and we could hear a small dog barking. And we had made an excuse for that. Maybe there's, you know, you're so into it. Yesterday, those fears confirmed by Brantford police. 24-year-old Caitlin Braun arrested, facing 32 charges, ranging from criminal harassment to sexual assault, after seeking help from at least six doulas. Ms. Madeleine Klein, and how are hey. you this evening? I'm good. Um, I'm sure I could complain, but I won't. No, go ahead, complain. What's wrong? Oh, I'm just... Uh... I'm just useless. I didn't do anything this week. <laughs> I got that's nothing not useless. Done. I think like that's exactly what a human should strive for. So I don't think it's useless. I think you've achieved like the pinnacle of human existence is you were able to be inside an air conditioned or heated building doing nothing without the world falling apart. And you know what? Guilt free. I don't actually care. <laughs> but I like I sh I look back and I'm like, hmm. Maybe I should have been more productive, but mm, whatever. <laughs> oh, good. Good for you. We're all proud of you. I know I am. I watched the Boston Marathon bomber documentary on Netflix, and it was incredible. Oh, about the two brothers, that thing? Mm-hmm. You remember that? It was really good. I didn't know there was a Netflix piece on it, but man, I remember yes. that happening when they were like trying to find them in the days afterwards. Uh, they... See, and like I very vaguely remember it happening. Mm-hmm. But I had no idea what followed after. I was like, how are they making this into a three-part thing? It is. It was incredible. What's it called, the documentary? I think it's just called, like, Boston Bombers or something like that. Okay. Um, I'm sure anyone who wants sorry, to see it. Sorry, I should have come prepared. Well, people who want to see it, I think if you can figure out how to find a documentary on Netflix about the Boston Marathon Bombers. It'll pop right up. It did for me. Okay. You know, we have another story to talk about tonight. we got to get into it. Always. This uh, will be somehow is turning into a part three of the story of Caitlin Braun, the doula duper, the pregnancy scammer, um, whatever you want to call her, the alleged, I should add as well, because it's nothing's been proven yet, of course. But we're here for our third discussion. This is going to be a little different. The first time we talked about about Caitlin Braun, we talked specifically just, just the basics about her story and what she's accused of. In the second part, we took a much deeper dive by listening to um, direct alleged victims or people who had hands-on interactions with Caitlin Braun. Um, we learned along the way quite a bit about what a doula is, what services they provide, and how the business is structured. But I think there's a lot to learn with that aspect of this story. And what we're going to get into tonight is I've invited two doulas, in Can two Canadian doulas, who've both had interactions with Caitlin Braun, but neither of which took her on as a client. I've invited them both on to tell us about their work, how they got into being a doula, what they do for their clients, 
They'll discuss their exchanges with Caitlin Braun and we'll end each conversation with each of the doulas with a discussion on how Caitlin Braun's story may change the way doulas operate or specifically the way they run their own personal businesses given you know given what caitlin's accused of and how close these two have come to be to becoming a victim of hers before we get into that though there's an odd little update in caitlin's story that you just shared with me today can you put it in basic terms what's going on uh well just someone on my TikTok commented on my video and said yeah the what was it the six nations reserve is doing an investigation on her as well that has nothing to do with the current um charges investigation whatever mm. but they can't comment on it due to the nature of the case yeah so what the hell is i'm gonna read a bit of the article that you sent me and uh yeah because it's a something is up with caitlin braun that doesn't seem to be involving the scamming of doulas and Here's keep in a, mind this is a reserve in Ontario. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what was what? What's up? So here's what it says. Um, a 24 year old woman facing criminal charges in Brantford, Ontario, in connection with seeking the help of registered doulas for fake pregnancies and stillbirths is under investigation by Six Nations Police. Turtle Island News have learned. Six Nations Police Chief Darren Montour told Turtle Island News they have an open investigation of the woman, but would not provide detail on what the investigation included, other to say that it is not similar to the Brantford case. And then they're quoting this chief. We have a separate investigation with this person, but due to the nature of it, I cannot comment further other than to say that it's ongoing. Six Nations is the only First Nation police force known to have an open investigation into the woman. Caitlin Braun is currently facing 32 criminal charges, including harassment, fraud, sexual assault, and sexual assault after the Brantford Police Services said she sought out the help from doulas for fake pregnancies and stillbirths. So, yeah, I don't, they don't give any information, but something's up. Um, and I'm sure we'll learn about it if, the, if charges are laid. Uh, I, I'm not saying this next because I think it has anything to do with this, but I don't know if I shared this with you, but I've also received from a listener um, screenshots for online listings. Caitlin Braun had been publishing, uh, advertising her babysitting services. Uh, so it's she's, uh, I, I don't know what to even say with that other than and she uses, it's terrifying. She words it really weird. What does she call it? She doesn't call it babysitting. What does she call it? Oh, it's very God. odd just the way she words her entire ad. You did send it to me and I was like, ugh. Yeah, she called You're it insane. child child minding services. But yeah, it was basically your typical ad, like offering babysitting services. But just given what we know about her, it's a, uh, oh, it puts it in a way, way different context. Seeing that was chilling. Makes um, your skin crawl. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and I also, uh, when I was doing my video on YouTube about Caitlin, I went on to the Ontario social workers like website and her license was revoked or suspended a day after her court date. Oh, really? So yeah, she ain't working no more. Thank that's, God. Oh, well, that's good to know. Yeah. Can't believe it took that long. But as far as what she has going on with, uh, with this separate investigation, I don't know. Your your guess is as good as mine. If if we learn more, we'll certainly be talking about it. I'm sure if uh, if we get there, there's there hasn't been any updates with her with all of the charges she's facing currently. It's uh, thanks to a publication ban. I think it's information and news about this case is going to be slim to none until you know a decision's reached. But uh, if, even if you search for online for any updates about her case, there's nothing after you know the very early um news reports about this it's just like been been silence um so we'll see what comes of it but let's get into our our discussions here uh you haven't taken you didn't take part in either of these this is myself talking to each doula one is named candace one is named kate they both gave an amazing description of their work and how they got into it and both of them very articulately were able to explain the effect Caitlin Braun has had on them personally, as well as the industry of doulas um, uh, from a larger context. 
We'll start with with Candace. Uh, Candace and I connected on Instagram shortly after the release of my first episode. She uh, she added a comment on the post or something, being like, "Oh my God!" Like I was one of the many doulas who heard from her as well. Um, here's my discussion with Candace Doula. Uh, Candace, as we're talking, I see you're wearing a doula life shirt. Is that how you would describe your life at this point? You're living the doula life? Absolutely. Yeah. How did you get into the, the work of a doula? Now, now, my background, like I have two children. So I've, um, my wife and I have gone through the whole like childbirth procedure and stuff. But I had never heard of the, or even considered the option of having a doula. Like it's all new to me. How did, how did you learn about it and decide like, this is what I want to live the doula life? How did you get into it? So that's a great question. And um, you're definitely not alone because a lot of people have never heard of a doula. And even people in my sort of extended family, when, when I say I'm a doula, they say, what exactly is a doula? So, um, and as for myself, I was always interested in birth from a very young age. I was interested in birth. Um, I was interested in sort of the way different cultures um, handled birth and how it seemed very different than how we handled it here, how Hollywood portrayed birth, um, is very different than how it actually is or how it can be. Um, and then throughout my pregnancy, I was pregnant in 2018 and throughout my pregnancy, I really dove deep into the birth world and, I realized that there has to be something more for, for people, for families, for mothers, um, in terms of support. Uh, you know, we have wonderful healthcare here in terms of like OBs and midwives, and that's all fantastic. But, you know, if you have a question in the middle of the night, you can't call your, your OB or in most cases, even your midwife. Um, and so, for anybody who doesn't have a strong support system close to them, this leaves them in a really vulnerable position. So for me, I said there has to be a way to change this. And then I sort of dove a little bit deeper into it and, and discovered what a doula is, what a doula does. And, and immediately I knew this was for me. And so I left a corporate world, 20 years of being in a corporate world, and I haven't looked back. Wow. Okay. Um, and now something I want to get into, because we're going to be talking a bit in the, the context of Caitlin Braun's alleged crimes is I'm interested in how clients connect with you. Like you and I connected through Instagram, but I'm thinking if, you know, my wife is pregnant and maybe she has a lot of questions and doesn't have a lot of people who could support her. Maybe she would be like, I'm, I'm going to find a doula um, to, to lean on throughout all of this. Typically, these these people in this situation that seek out your services, how are they finding you and interacting with you to the uh, before they become your client? Yeah, great question. So, like how you reached out to me, some do contact um, Adula through social media, whether it be Instagram or Facebook or whatever their platform is. Um, in fact, I have um, I have received a lot of clients that way through social media. Um, there's obviously your generic Google search. So depending on where you're located, I'm in Hamilton. If somebody searches Hamilton birth doulas or Hamilton postpartum doulas, then a whole host of us will pop up. And typically they'll look at a few websites and often they'll contact a few of us. Um, and then the other sort of uh, safer, this, this is always my favorite way to be contacted is sort of through like a referral. So whether it's a previous birth client that I worked with or postpartum client, mm -hmm. or even the more you do this, the more you get to know sort of the midwives in your area or the OBs in your area. And then oftentimes they'll recommend clients and send clients away. Okay. Yeah. So that's sort of okay. the safest, uh, you know, in, in yeah. the topic of Caitlin Braun, that's sort of the safest way to be contacted. Okay. Well, now I get an idea of how people, what, why they may want your services, uh, what services you provide, you provide, how they may reach you. But when typically someone reaches out to you, th that first kind of introduction, what would be a common kind of approach they would take to you? What would they tell, tell you about themselves or, or 
inquire about what you can provide? Like, how does that first interaction typically go down when someone reaches out to you? Yeah, so typically they'll reach out and they'll say, you know, hey, Candice, I'm pregnant. My due date is, and then they'll they'll tell us what their due date is. Um, and then they'll often say, I'm just interested in learning about a little bit more about your services, about what you can provide. Do you have a few minutes to talk? Um, mm -hmm. Now, every doula will sort of handle that differently. Some doulas have it on their website where it's a little bit more in depth that, you know, the client actually has to fill out like a, a pretty thorough form. I don't. I prefer to just sort of get more in um, communication with them about it. Um, so, you know, I would ask typical questions like, how did you hear about me? Where are you scheduled to give birth? Or where are you thinking of giving birth? When is your approximate due date? Um, and then sort of, you know, answer those preliminary questions. Um, and then if it will fit with my schedule, if I, if I'm not already fully booked, if, you know, I think that I can take this client on, then we would sort of move to like the next stage of communication prior to COVID. This would typically be like an in-person visit. So we would go visit coffee shop or something. Well, that would be the smart thing, but typically doulas will just go to your home and just meet with you at your home and um, mm. sort of get to know you that way. Now, because of COVID, a lot of us have shifted to like that first meeting, like via zoom. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's a good way to sort of get to know them a little bit better and then see if we would be a good fit. And then they can decide if they would like to hire us on for the, you know, I, I understand. Yeah. We'll get into Caitlin Braun's story a bit, because I, I know that she had approached you and inquired about your services, but I believe it was you that turned her down. Can you tell me about what you remember about Caitlin Braun approaching you about your doula services? Yeah. So I will say that um, when she, when she initially reached out to me, there was some sort of spidey senses that kicked in. Now I, I say this very um, cautiously because her story was very, you know, heavy. And so if it had been true, I would have felt terrible for sort of questioning it, but something yeah. inside of me, it didn't sit right. Now that's not in fact why I turned her down. Um, I turned her services down because A, she was out of my geographical area and B, my schedule was just way too heavy and it was too short notice. Um, had she been in sort of my, you know, Hamilton area, would I have pursued it a little bit further? It's really hard to say. There was a lot of, you know, sort of just bad feelings about it, but I may have pursued it further. I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, no, she, we've heard several versions of, of her story that she told different people. When she approached you, in essence, what was the story she had given you? Yeah, so... Um, it was similar to, to stories that she had used with other doulas um, in that she had been victim of sexual assault. Um, she had been pregnant for, I believe she said like eight months and didn't know she was pregnant because of the medication she was taking. Um, she had to really advocate for herself to have an ultrasound done, which she claimed that she had just recently had which show that she was pregnant um, and that she was due, like, I think it was like in a week or something she was due and she was looking for some really last minute support. She said she found my website. She really loved my approach to birth um, and, and would I have sort of time to take her on. Mm -hmm. And you, you say there's something about it about her approach to you that that had your spider sense tingling was it just intuition or was there something about her story that was just like ah do you have any way to explain what made you feel like unsettled in some way about this it's so hard to put into words jordan i think there was just too many things that were just seemed almost impossible to be true like it wasn't just one thing it was just so many things like so it was so it, it, yeah and then to put it last minute too, it's just like, whoa, like that's a big. Exactly. Exactly. It, it, and, and the thing is as doulas, we, and I don't want to speak for every doula, but as a doula myself, uh, you know, we, we see a lot of things. We hear a lot of things. It's, it's a heavy line of work. It's a really fulfilling line of work, but it's also a really heavy line of work. Um, but 
we tend to believe things, you know, because we've seen Mm -hmm. it. We've seen so many things that we know that the impossible is actually possible. But there was just something about it that just didn't sit right with me. And when I say that, I don't want to sort of pour salt into any wounds for anybody who was affected, you know, really, really by this. Um, Because like I said, had she been in my area, who knows, this could have taken a completely different route. Yeah, certainly. But ultimately, you declined to take her on. And that was the end of it between you and Caitlin Braun. But when did you learn, you know, uh, like, because everyone I spoke to every doula I've spoke to had heard through their kind of like unofficial network of connections with other doulas that someone was preying upon you. When did you learn that, that someone was seemed to be targeting doulas in this way? And when did you learn that Caitlin Braun, who contacted you was the person responsible? Yeah, so it was many, 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 many months later. Um, I I don't have TikTok. I, maybe I need to get a program. I don't have TikTok. So a lot of this was going around on TikTok. Um, and so I had kind of missed the boat on that one. Um, but I do have a really, really great network of doulas that I'm close with, that we sort of run things by each other. We chat about things. And so somehow it had come up that there was somebody who was sort of scamming doulas. And, and to me, the thing just seemed so odd. Like, like, why would somebody be scamming us? This doesn't make any sense. What are they gaining out of this? Um, mm-hmm. And so I kind of didn't pay too much attention to it, to be honest. And then even even a few more months later, it came, the topic came back up and the name had got thrown out there. Caitlin Braun, I heard. And I thought, oh my goodness, why do I know this name? I know this name. And so I immediately went to my email and in my you know search, I just searched Caitlin Braun and there it was, the email from Caitlin Braun. Yeah, and I said, oh my goodness, I was contacted by her. Her story is the same as what you guys are telling me that she has said to you. Um, and then that's sort of when I started putting two and two together and realized, wow, this has been going on for a long time. How common does it seem to be for someone to have been contacted or affected by this in some way? Yeah, I think, I think out of every doula that I sort of chat with, there's very few of us that haven't been either contacted or affected. Yeah, very few of us. So everybody sort of has a story or a, um, incidents that, that took place. Wow. And now, as you said, when you started hearing about this, and you're like, why would someone scam doulas? It doesn't make any sense. At this point, we probably know quite a bit more about what she's alleged to have been doing and how she seems to have been doing it. But could you explain what may what someone would have to gain by targeting a doula? I think I think that's still the, the million dollar question, Jordan. I don't think anybody really knows what was the motive behind this? Why? Um, there's a lot of theories going around, you know, was it a fetish? Was it a, does she need some type of, you know, emotional support? And she felt this is the only way she could get it. Um, I don't know. And I, and I won't attempt to guess, cause I, I honestly, I have no idea what the motive was behind this and why it went on for so long and so in depth mm-hmm. and so I, bizarre, I'll bizarre, say. bizarre. Yeah. Um, now what about this is I, I assume like any, anyone who has a job where they interact with like strangers or members of the public, there's some consideration of personal safety. So whether you're a real estate agent, who's going to meet with clients that reach out to you online, or you work at a, you know, a convenience store, you know, you got to consider your interactions with people as a doula before this, was that something you gave much consideration to? Like, even when I asked how you connect with them, you say you're often going to people's houses after a couple of visits. D- did you in the past consider your personal safety? No. And, and I won't speak for all of us because I'm sure there are some that are a lot smarter than I am and a lot more cautious than I am, but this has certainly changed everything for me um, in terms of safety. And I would say, you know, I always try to find the light in every situation. And I would say that this is one positive that I've taken from this Um, you know, it's, it's so not uncommon for me to get up in the middle of the night to leave the house to leave a note off to a birth. Nobody knows where I am, what hospital I'm at, if I'm at somebody's house, um, 
there's no like birth is so unpredictable. So there's no telling what time I might be back. Like it could be in five hours. It could be in 18 hours. Right. Um, even, even going to meet a client for the first time, you know, not telling anybody like, here's the address that I'm going to, um, just simply saying, Oh, I'm off for prenatal. See you in a few hours kind of thing. And so that has all really, really changed for me. And I hope for doulas everywhere. Mm-hmm. You, you see this as a bit of a wake up call. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, Yeah. What Caitlin Braun's alleged to be doing have have done and the effect it's had on doulas and their relationships with clients. Like like how will this story affect doulas' ability to be fully trusting with arms wide open for for clients going forward and not having in the back of their mind like is this just some like troubled person who's preying on me? You know, like what like what? How do you see this playing out? I know, I know. It's actually, that's a really, that question really makes me sad because mm-hmm. um, it's really unfair that, you know, our line of work was targeted for this because we really aim to provide as much support as possible um, to people who are going through a life-changing event, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, Thankfully, you know, I wasn't in a situation where I did provide hands-on physical in-person support with Caitlin. So I can only imagine the doulas that did, you know, how this is going to play into their mind for the next who knows how long and what type of, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of um, inner healing that they're going to have to do and inner work that they're going to have to do to sort of um, move past this if they you know if they ever will it's always going to be a part of their story now um, mm-hmm. but my hope is that people remember that this is truly a one-of-a-kind situation like we have never seen this before ever um, you know I was speaking with one of the lead detectives on the case about the case and she had said to me, we see a lot in our office, Candace, but we have never seen anything like this, anything. And so if people can just remember that, you know, this is so one of a kind and we will, hopefully there will be no copycats. Um, and hopefully we will not run into anything like this again. But yeah, to answer that question, it's definitely going to be in every doula's mind, I think, when we first are contacted or when we first start working with a new client. Um, I think now, unfortunately, there's always going to be this little voice that's saying, is this legit? Is this real? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Wow. You know, when a red flag goes up, comes up and with any client, there's going to be a part of your mind that just says, Caitlin Braun, yeah. you know, and I think it's, and it's not just you, it's going to be any doula who's familiar with the story. And I think it's, I, I think that's one of the reasons why it's so important for law enforcement to get to the bottom of this. And, you know, maybe it's a, a one-off thing, but it needs to be, you know, handled appropriately. So it stays a one-off thing. How hopeful are you to see a, um, some sort of legal or rehabilitational outcome to her story. Yeah. I mean, I uh, like, like I had said to you in one of our discussions, I mean, it's obviously um, there's been a lot of already we sort of missed the bus on this one. You know, there's been a number of instances where, um, if something had only been done sooner, then a lot of this could have been prevented. Um, but I mean, I certainly hope that justice is served. And I certainly hope that Caitlin gets the help that she needs. Because uh, I think it's, you know, yeah, for people who are listening, and they like and they uh, genuinely like your approach to birth and the way you describe your services as a dual and for and they want to contact you how do people find you yeah they can find me on instagram that's usually the easiest way um at doula candace or they can um always just look up my website which is candacedoula.com candace i appreciate you uh telling me a bit about your work and your life and your story and your experiences with Caitlin Braun. I hope uh, only the best for all the doulas out there and you know getting past this bizarre but troubling you know part of all of your story it seems. Yeah, thank you Jordan and thank you for your coverage on this because I think it's really important that we are spreading the word on this.
She's great, eh? She was wonderful. Yeah, I was I was blown away, and you'll hear uh, both doulas that will be joined by just did such a great job of explaining what they do, why it's important, and how awful what Caitlin Bronze alleged to be doing is, especially in the like because uh, I think to really get how awful this this crime is, you need to know what what service a doula provides and how it's just like like stabbing them in the Achilles heel or something. It's like finding the weakness or the chink in their armor is to go in there looking for support and empathy and not it be like this financial thing where you're trying to get their money or anything. You're just kind of, I don't, I don't even know how to describe what she's doing other than awful. Well, and the thing about this case specifically is even like to target the doula community, even the like even the doulas she didn't have any contact with are affected. Mm-hmm. Like they are they're essentially victims too. Like their entire career just got flipped upside down and mm. it'll never be the same for them. Uh-huh. The, the next time and and then she in doing this has discredited um women that are going to come to doulas in the future and say you know i was sexually assaulted and unfortunately right away they're going to be like oh my god mm-hmm. i have to make sure this is legit mm-hmm. you know and that shouldn't that shouldn't be yeah a thing, it sh- but it's, it's it should be like you, a sacred place you know where you just don't mess with it i feel like this gave doulas that had contact with her and not ptsd i would think like so. they just you, yeah you'd never be able to Forget about it. Well, yeah, you, there would just always be that question. It, isn't exactly. It, and I don't know if it was, I think it was in my conversation with Candace. You don't hear all of it there. I edited it for length, but we talked about um, like how it could affect your dealings with other clients coming to you. And if there was a red flag, how you would respond to that. And I was kind of thought like, you know, if you flip the tables, let's say if you were a kid and you went to a dentist and that dentist just didn't have like good bedside manners, it was maybe rough with you or something like that. You would forever be cautious of dentists. Even if you found out like, no, no, that was just one awful dentist you have. 99.9% of the other dentists are going to be great. I would still go into everyone like, oh, I don't know. There's something about dentists. Absolutely. I think it would be the same with if I was a doula thinking of clients. Like there's this one that was a nut. And I'm sure the rest of it was just an isolated thing, but I still need to keep my guard up because it can happen. Where before this, totally. maybe they didn't have that example of like someone preying upon that community in Canada. You know, I'm sure I'm sure there's stories somewhere in the world where something bad has happened to a, a doula somewhere but it's to have it happening in canada and ontario like it's, it's and in this shocking. volume mm-hmm. 50 victims have come forward that we know of mm-hmm. yeah so and, yeah and we hear from candace there she described uh kind of discussion in the doula community about you know someone being up to something i had asked her like uh, you know what who, what are we talking about? Like with doulas out there, like how many of them had had an interaction with her? And she all but said like, no, like everybody, like this is, it was very common. So it's, it's prolific targeting as it seems to be. Um, hearing her talk about her job and her passion for what she does was pretty inspiring. I find so many people look at their job as just that, like I, hate it i go in there i get it done and go home and it's not a part of me you know but i find with every doula i've spoke to especially the two you're going to hear from tonight candace and kate it's not like a job it's like their thing their calling in life and for me if if someone's passionate about their work whether they're the mailman the guy whose job or girl whose job it is to pave the streets the person who tends to trees by cutting off their branches uh, a delivery driver a doula if you're passionate about it and you're like driven to perform and like master it and deliver on all the promises i find it fascinating and inspiring and i just love to hear them talk about it the two doulas we'll talk about we'll, we're going to hear from both describe this as just being like beyond a calling and i think that's why these two conversations come across so well they they seem genuinely 
interested in telling me about their work and how they got into it and why they got into it. And that's, yeah, that's something. Well, you know what they say, if you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life. Right. That's why. Yeah. And, and it's true. Let's, let's move on to the next doula we're going to hear from. This is doula Kate is what she goes by equally passionate about her work, uh, equally concerned about the effect that Caitlin Braun has on her career, uh, her view of the career and the effect that it may have on other doulas. So let's hear, uh, let's hear Kate. Kate, I want to start with learning a bit about your work as a doula. Start by telling me like how you, how you got into this profession and when did you start and why and how? Yeah, the whole thing. Um, I've always been weirdly obsessed with pregnancy, birth, babies, um, having none of my own. I've never been pregnant. I don't have any kids. Um, but I've always been really fascinated by the whole, everything surrounding pregnancy and birth. Mm -hmm. So much so that I, on my own time, would just do research and, and reading and just even if you were to open my Instagram, like for you page, it was all like birth videos mm. and like just stuff that, you know, it's not the, the run of the mill stuff that people tend to follow. And it got to a point where a lot of my friends and cousins and family members that were getting pregnant would come to me with questions being like, oh, can I eat this? Or, uh, you know, just random things like that. Questions that you have. I'm feeling this way. Is it normal? Do you think I should call my doctor? And I'm like, yes, always call your doctor. <laughs> um, but then I would tell them based on, you know, whatever I knew from my hobby, I guess I would call it. And people trusted me and I was happy. <clears throat> Excuse me. I was happy to see that these people in my life trusted me to give them, you know, advice and answers about this stuff. But I... I almost had this like imposter syndrome where it was like, this doesn't make sense. Why are you coming to me about this? Mm. And they're like, well, we know that you know everything about this. And so you just felt like the right person to ask. So for my own self, I thought, okay, I got to make this make sense somehow. I got to kind of validate this for myself. So I thought, what would be a great way for me to find an outlet for this passion, this something obviously I'm passionate about. What kind of outlet is there for me? And so many of the accounts I was following on Instagram and so many, so much of the reading I was doing talked about doulas and the work that they do. And I'm naturally a very um, compassionate person. I have a lot of empathy. Like I'm, I'm very much a feeler. Like I like to connect with people. I feel very deeply. And I think that connects really well with doula work. And so I thought maybe I can, maybe I'll be a doula. Like maybe I'll just do that. Meanwhile, I have a very corporate Monday to Friday, nine to five kind of life that I didn't want to give up either. Like, I love my corporate life and the stability of it, but I thought yeah, I still got to do something. So anyway, long story short, I reached out to a couple doulas that I was following on Instagram and just said, can I pick your brain? Can I just learn about what you do and help me decide if it's something that I can do myself? And uh, so I spoke to some people. They gave me some great advice, told me about some um online resources, uh, some training and stuff. And so I did my full training and it was the beginning of the pandemic. So probably not the best time because right after I finished my training, I was like all excited getting ready to get some clients and the hospital was not allowing anybody, but like the birthing person and their partner to be in the room. Oh. So it was a bit of a slow start for me, but, um, finished my training, really enjoyed it, really solidified for me. Like, okay, this is work that I was meant to do. felt really good about it. And, um, here I am, I guess like a year and a half, almost two years later. Let, let me ask you this though. The work of a doula is new to me. How much of the work is, um, actually helping with the baby being born versus like the lead up to the baby being born or what comes after the baby being born? Like how is the time divided and where, at what points in the whole um, event do, do your clients call on a doula for support? For me in my work, I really, really value the prenatal aspect of being a doula because that's where so much of the education and preparation comes in that's where I like to spend the bulk of my time like in the uh, packages that I offer to my clients I I like to kind of more heavily weight the prenatal portion of it because so much of what's going to make your birth successful and a positive experience for you is all of the education and the work and the preparation that you put in ahead of time think of it like running a marathon 
for example, you know, you probably train for a year or so leading up to this marathon so that when the time comes, you're going to be successful and have a good result. It's the same thing with birth. So the earlier you start with preparing and understanding what your options are and, um, and things you can do to just make it a more comfortable experience for you. And that's not to say, you know, that it has to be, um, a natural birth, even if you choose to go ahead with an epidural, your doula can still help you to make sure that it's overall a really good experience for you and help you to understand, like, here's what an epidural can help you achieve or what, you know, benefits and um, detriments to everything, right? So that education from the doula is going to be really helpful. So that's where I like to spend a lot of time. Then, of course, the birth is however long the birth takes. <laughs> and it I've found that, you know, with subsequent babies, if it's somebody who's had maybe one or two or three babies already, it tends to happen a little bit more quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the doula will be there for however long it takes. And, and then I guess for the afterbirth part, it, it, your client has such a relationship with you at that point, by that point, and they turn to you for advice and cheerleading and whatnot. So of course, it makes sense that you're going to follow up with them after the after the fact, because it's you they're going to want to go to, right? Well, in in my experience, yes. And there's, so I'm trained as a birth doula and a postpartum doula, Mm -hmm. which means that I kind of full spectrum, right? Before birth and then postpartum. There are some people who are trained and practice only as postpartum doulas. So they're not there for the beginning portion or, or even for the birth, but they are there if you need some support. You know, you go home with this potato and you're like, what do I do with this now? Screaming potato. Yeah, exactly. Pooping its pants. (laughs) Exactly. This potato that doesn't do anything but scream and poop. What, how do I manage this? Um, that's when a postpartum doula will come in and, and be really helpful. In my case, being full spectrum, I will have, like you said, already built that relationship with them so that when the time comes that they find they might need a little bit more help at home with baby, I'm I'm there to support them with that. And a lot of the packages that I offer um, as part of my service include all three. There's like, you can have just, po- just prenatal, just the birth, just postpartum support or two of the three or all three. Um, so I kind of like to be customized in the way that I approach my support with my clients. Um, but yeah, the postpartum period is is really important. And it's as much about, I would say even more about mom than it is about baby. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, part of what I do as a postpartum doula is make sure that baby looks healthy, is eating well, you know, whether that's breastfeeding, chest feeding, um, bottle formula whatever it might be making sure that the baby is adapting well to feeding um but also making sure that mom is healing from the birth physically emotionally mentally that they have a forum to talk about the experience that they just went through whether it was really really great or maybe not exactly the birth that they had envisioned for themselves being a sounding board for them um Mm. and and just being there you know sometimes i'll go over to a client's home and she'll say can I just please go take a shower? And I'm like, yes, go do mm-hmm. that because I'm sure you haven't had the opportunity to. So go, I'll I'll watch the baby or maybe the baby's napping. I'll wash the dishes. I'll pop <sighs> up a snack for you. So when you get out of the shower, you have something nutritious to to fill your belly, you know? So it's, it's almost hard to explain exactly what you do because it seems like a doula does so much. It's somewhere between like, or maybe an amalgamation of like nurse, best friend, cheerleader, yeah. house cleaner, babysitter, uh, psychiatrist. <laughs> it's a <laughs> it's little like... bit of everything. Elevator pitch. Like what is a doula? A doula is uh, like a wedding planner for your birth, like a travel agent for your pregnancy, like a, like a personal trainer for your pregnancy. Wow. So that's, that's a really good um, connection that you made. <laughs> so now we, that we got a sense of what you do, why you do it, how you do it, and who comes to you, how do clients come to you? Because the story we're going to get into, yeah. we'll talk a little bit about, seems to mainly happen over Instagram or whatnot. But for the clients that find their way to you, to seeking out your service, typically, how does that happen? So social media does play a big part in that. It's how I found out about doula work as an option for me. Um, so I imagine a lot of people who are seeking birth support would would look to social media as well. Mm-hmm. I also work with an agency, uh, a doula agency that is run by by two wonderful ladies, and they 
will message our group of doulas saying, hey, here's a client who reached out. This is their estimated due date and their location. Who's available? And then we just kind of raise our hands and say, who's available? We have our consultation. They may speak with two or three of us and then decide which one they want to move forward with. Uh, So that's one kind of avenue that I might get um, clients. Um, Google has been really helpful. I put myself on Google business, like I created a Google business and then put it on Google Maps. So if you're just searching in an area, even if you're not searching for doulas, if you're just like looking for directions in the area where I'm located, mm. you'll see doula Kate. So even if it's not something you're looking for, it's it's still in front of in front of you. It's in in your face a little bit. Yeah. And like a, as we talked about there, a travel agent or a wedding planner, like it's it's not that when someone um, comes to you uh, inquiring about your services, there's probably a bit of a feeling out process where you make sure they make sure you're right for them and and vice versa. Um, which leads me to uh, Caitlin Braun's story is I understand you're one of the seemingly innumerable uh, mm-hmm. doulas that she approached. Do you remember her reaching out to you? And it, was there anything about her that stood out to you when you heard from her? To be honest, no. It was a very run-of-the-mill um, interaction. The only reason it sticks out in my memory is because I knew who she was without her really having to go into too much detail based on her initials, based on what she was telling me her story was, um, because I had heard from, I'd heard warnings. I'd heard on Facebook groups, my agency that I'm a part of, they'd messaged in the chat, hey, beware of, you know, if someone comes to you with the initials KB located in this or this or this area, that might not be what you think it is. Just be aware. So I'd already had a few warnings and this person reached out to me. And like I said, it was very run of the mill, um, but it was really just like, hey, I'm, I'm due at the end of the summer. I'm looking for a doula. Uh, there was no mention of stillbirth, um, sexual assault, like none of the other things that we have been hearing about. It was a very exploratory kind of first step of like, hey, mm-hmm. can I just reach out to this doula? Um, I responded the way I always do, saying thanks for reaching out. First of all, congratulations. Let's have let's have a phone call. We'll do a free consultation and we'll see if this is a good match for us. Uh, we had the phone call again, very run of the mill. Like is she, she obviously knew what she was doing. And, and that's kind of what worries me so much about this whole situation is the way that she was able to con people so easily. Mm-hmm. Like there, she'd done her research or she knew people who have had doulas before she knew all the right things to say. She just, it was very normal. And, you know, we, it was a very quick conversation, maybe 10 or 15 minutes where it was like, what are you looking for in a doula? She said, just someone to, you know, be there with me, help me advocate for me in the hospital. She did mention, I don't really love hospitals. Um, Although I do, it was kind of weird to me that she had, uh, she hadn't chosen to go with a midwife or a home birth or even a birth center birth. If you hate hospitals, so much. I wonder why you would have chosen to go ahead with uh, an OB. But yeah. again, it was so early on in our conversation that it, I didn't even get into that yet. It was more just like, tell me what you need. I'll tell you what I can provide and we'll go from there. Mm-hmm. So she did say, you know, I don't really love hospitals. So I get a little bit anxious. I would love someone to help calm my nerves um, and um, and maybe help postpartum, but maybe not. Like, I think I'll be okay, but we can kind of add that on later on if we need to. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, no problem. That's definitely what I'm here to do. I'm happy to help you. Um, let me send you an email with my my pricing packages. Uh, I am available for your your estimated due date. So I'll send you everything and um, you get back in touch and let me know if it's something you want to move forward with. And then I never heard back from her. Huh. Yeah. Do you have any indication or idea why she hadn't heard from you? My theory, just in, in speaking to you, is you, 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 the business side of your work, like I'll send you my pricing package and all this, maybe that would have seemed a bit too formal. And maybe she's like, no, I, like I need someone who's a bit looser and it's just going to meet up with me. Like, do you have any idea why she didn't pursue you? No idea, like no real idea. I mean, everybody can speculate. Um so I don't really know what it was and, with her. I think like, sorry, if I'm if I'm speculating what would have happened with her, I'm thinking maybe she probably, again, it's a ratios game for her too. If she's reaching out to 75 doulas, she's probably not going to get back in touch with all 75, right? Yeah. Like, 
So as that's the only thing I can imagine would have been happening on her end is that she just reached out to so many, got some other responses that were more palatable for her and went ahead with that instead of getting back to me. Yeah. And now you had mentioned you were semi-aware of something going on with somebody who was doing harm or wasting the time at least of of doulas through your agency and through these kind of unofficial networks. When when you hear that that was happening, that someone appeared to be targeting doulas, did that surprise you? Like just because in my, from my point of view, it seems like the oddest group of people to, you know, to target and go after like that. Were, were you surprised yeah. to hear this? Um, Surprised, but also like perplexed. Mm -hmm. Like to what end? Like, why? Why is this the group of people that you're choosing to target? What do you get out of this? Like, you're not, I just, I couldn't wrap my mind really around it. I still can't wrap my mind around yeah. it. I can't understand why anybody would want to take advantage of the compassionate nature of, of this group of people. Um, so I, I don't know. It's, it's weird to me. I've, I haven't figured it out. And even when it was happening, I thought like, yes, it was surprising. Like it, it, it was sad. It was disappointing where I'm hearing about this and I'm thinking, but who would do that? Like, mm -hmm. I'm so disappointed in society that there are people out there who are doing this, to people who truly just want to do good. And it, and it seems like she was able, like if all the allegations are true, it seems like she was able to do it for quite some time to quite a few people before anything actually happened. And, and just as you described already, it seems like the word was out where the different agencies and the unofficial networks of doulas were already warning each other long before this thing is in the news. Yeah. Tell me about when you first turn on the news or see on your Facebook feed an article about Caitlin Braun arrested on all these charges. Like, what was your reaction when you actually saw the news? Truly, my first reaction was, I just hope she gets the help that she needs. Mm. Because that through everything I've heard, this sounded to me like somebody who needs support in, in a lot of different ways. Um, so really my first reaction was, I just, I'm first of all, I'm glad that there seems to be some kind of justice being served here for the people, for the doulas that have been affected, because we know now that there are doulas who have had trauma, like serious trauma as a result of their affiliation with this woman I bet mm -hmm. and and it's really sad you know it's and we've heard in, in some of your previous episodes that there are doulas out there who are rethinking whether or not they want to continue doing this work and it's so disheartening because you, people go into this work because they want to help people so when they get jaded by somebody like this so much so that they think about maybe not continuing to do this work it gets really really sad mm. so i um i i i'm glad that there's been a little bit of justice served and i'm hopeful that that caitlin gets the, the support that she needs somehow um but also that she gets you know what's i hate to say this but i hope she gets what's coming to her in in terms of justice and um I don't know, penalty. I don't know really how else to put that, but you should pay for, for some of the, all of the trauma, all of the terrible things that have transpired as a result of what she's been doing. Yeah. Now I imagine work as a doula, when you're thinking about like personal safety, like say when you're going through your training and you're being trained mm -hmm. on personal safety, I imagine it's more kind of like from a medical point of view, like you wash your hands, you do this, you do, don't touch this or do that. Is there ever consideration or at least before her, was there ever consideration you had about your personal safety when you're going to meet with people and supporting them through pregnancy? Absolutely. For me, and I think that's just because of my nature and my upbringing, I grew up very like my, my parents were very um, sheltering, you know, let me know where you're going, who you're with, when you're coming home, how you're getting there. Like that's kind of always been part of me. Um, but also in my training specifically, there was uh, a portion of the training which talked about safety. Of course, like you mentioned, medical safety, washing your hands, wearing a mask, if if you feel like you need to wear a mask, that kind of thing. Um, but also your own personal safety. So I, whenever I go to a client's home, I always send a pin of the location to my boyfriend mm. who I live with. And I say, here's where I'm going to be for the next two hours. If, and sometimes I send the live location too, so that he can see when I get there and when I leave, oh. um, just right. to be extra safe. 
luckily until this point, it's always been, you know, for nothing, which is great. And I'm very happy, but, but it's always something I think about is like, here's where I'm planning to be for this period of time. If you don't hear from me to say, Hey, I'm leaving and I'm on my way home by this time, check in with me. Um, so, so there's that kind of safety aspect that I always like to be mindful of. Yeah. And I guess this story maybe adds some justification for that. Um, when like going forward in hearing the allegations about Caitlin and having firsthand experience with her reaching out to you, is this story going to change the way you interact with clients or accept clients or make you second guess anything? Yes. Yes and no. Um, no, because I want to say I'm, I guess, a little bit stubborn and thinking like, this isn't going to be the norm. This is not, people aren't generally, you know, try out to get you. Um, maybe not stubborn, maybe naive <laughs> is the word <laughs> I should be using there. Um, but, but also yes, because I want to be safe. And so I think the way it will change things for me is maybe just in the vetting process during the first initial contact, whether it's via email or Facebook Messenger or Instagram messaging, whatever it is, those first few messages back and forth, really getting a good understanding of their situation. Um, and then during the phone consultation and going back to safety, my consultation is always over the phone, not in person mm -hmm. or via Zoom. If, if you feel, I always give that option as well. If you'd like to meet over Zoom, if you prefer the like face, if you want to put a face to the name, I'm happy to connect over Zoom um, or over the phone. But I save the in-person meetings for once we have a signed contract. And I, you know, I'm a little, I feel a little bit more protected. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. So it'll just change the way that I kind of vet the situation. And like I was saying before, when I was first talking with Caitlin Braun and she mentioned this like very real fear of hospitals and yet she had a, an OB Moving forward now, I might dig into that a little bit more earlier mm -hmm. on in the process. I don't think I would wait until, you know, They're after the news. contract to say, so why an OB if you hate hospitals so much, mm -hmm. right? I would probably take that earlier. Mm -hmm. um, well, I appreciate you giving me some background on life as a doula and your personal history with, you know, with the occupation. Uh, it's fascinating stuff that's new to me, but for people who are listening that, um, you know, maybe they're searching for a doula and they, you know, like the sound of your voice and the way you approach this, how do people find you? Thank you so much. Um, I'm located in the greater Toronto area, specifically like West Toronto. I support uh, Toronto, Vaughan, Oakville, Mississauga, Brampton, uh, you can find me on Instagram at doula.kate, that's D-O-U-L-A dot K-A-I-T. You can also find me on Facebook at the same name, Doula Kate. Uh, my website is under construction, so uh, you won't find anything there right now, but I'm working on it. <laughs> but you can find me on even Google Maps, like if you're in the, uh, the Etobicoke, Toronto area, you can always search Doula Kate and you'll find me there. Dula Kate was great. And that rhymes. <laughs> she was did, also wonderful. Yeah. Did you notice um, this stood out to me at the beginning of the conversation when she described having like this um, like obsession with birth and all this stuff. She found a way to like, I'm going to use this for good. I'm going to use this to help people. She's answering questions for friends. She's like, I could do this as a career. She finds a, you know, a way to you know, take it to the next level. And now she's a successful doula. Well, and I think that just goes to show that a doula, be, becoming a doula, you don't do it just on a whim. You don't do it because there's no other options. Yeah, you it's, see a job you know? listing online, like now hiring right. doula, no experience required. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you don't just find yourself being a doula. You have to have some sort of passion for it. Mm -hmm. So and I think that's what adds insult to injury in this case is, and I said this before, and I think these doulas did too, she really targeted the most empathetic community she could have targeted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, doula Kate even said herself, she was describing herself as like, you know, I'm really like a uh, really empathetic. I like want to talk to people and see people. And, you know, I go by feeling like it's uh, it just seems like that's kind of a, um, a thread through the doula community. Uh, doula Kate had a lot to say about 
how this could affect the industry and her career and future clients. Uh, she talked a lot about the importance of there being some kind of punishment in Caitlin Braun actually, you know, paying for what she did or some kind of justice being served. I still, from the moment I've heard about this story, I still questioned, I, I had doubts that there ever would be any kind of justice served until a, a hearings happen and we learn more about exactly what she did and what she's being accused of why she's being charged with sexual assault for example is something we've talked about um i i've always questioned if there would ever be anything happening with this story i think it's so weird and bizarre that i could see it being like an easy scapegoat uh for you know she's on well and just well, finding I'm some way other way other than a criminal court to deal with it I wouldn't be surprised at all if uh, she was found not fit to stand trial. Not at all. Mm, yeah, I guess like it's... she could be so far gone that I don't know. I, I don't know. I haven't yeah, met it... her. I'm not a psychiatrist. No, certainly. And it's hard to say with no knowing her side of the story. But I think there's there's such a there's the publication ban makes it hard. But there's such a big, interesting story here just below the surface. And I think when the time comes that that ban is lifted and we have access to like court documents and we can see the actual allegations in detail it's going to be hard to guess what's happening uh or why it happened or how it happened but you know it's it's coming and i'm sure there's more coming to it we've talked at the beginning about a separate unrelated investigation happening we've had we've had uh, heard conversation in the prior episode that seemed to suggest her mother was, Caitlin's mom was well aware of something unusual going on related to doulas being in the home, helping her daughter give birth. Um, and like going along with it. Yeah. So we'll see what comes of this. But I think at this point, I, um, I think we know about as much as we will know without that disclosure of information from the courts uh i think hearing from uh candace doula and doula kate tonight i think we know a whole lot more about the doula industry and profession than we ever would have expected without you know someone like caitlin braun putting this on our radar but yeah they really shed some good light onto yeah what they do and the situation at hand yeah um it's uh it's awful to see people like that get preyed upon both of them just came across both candace and kate just came across as so sincere and genuine and well when kate said you know she she feels very deeply and she likes to connect and stuff it reminded me of one of my favorite quotes which is it is both a blessing and a curse to feel everything so deeply hmm. well said. and it's yeah it's true um, can you attribute uh, people always have favorite quotes, but can you attribute that the original to the original speaker who said no that? Way. quote? No, okay. I probably found it on Tumblr 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> then you should credit it as Tumblr 2013. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we'll start wrapping this up. This was an interesting walk through. I wonder if it's called doulaship, uh, doulidom. Yeah, I don't know. It's let's call like it doulaship better. Yeah. It's an interesting walk through doulaship, although it was a very dark reason we attended. It's like meeting, it's like meeting a great person at a funeral. I never thought of that. Or like catching up with a long lost friend or whatever at a funeral. You're like, oh, it's awesome to see you, but it sucks that it's here. Uh, that's kind of how I feel about these Or like, doulas. what if you like met your soulmate at a funeral? <laughs> oh, what a dark <laughs> Roy. And you're like, wait, I'm just, my mind's going to like Wednesday, the documentary on Netflix, uh, where it's just like this that documentary. It's not a documentary. I was going to say, what did you watch? <laughs> yeah. What's this? Yeah. Oh, that wasn't a documentary? <laughs> That's a true story. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, it's uh, it's something else. But we'll wrap this up. We'll be back next week with uh, an all-new story. We have a couple ideas that are being bounced around in my head. Uh, maybe I'll surprise you with something that'll completely catch you off guard. I like surprises. Okay. Um, what do you got coming up? Um, I've got a couple things on the go. I've got, what am I posting next week? I'm posting a case from Provost, Alberta um, uh, in 2002, four, 
I should know this. In 2004, a 23-year-old man was brutally killed over a $1,500 drug debt. Oh. So I'm doing a little bit on that. And it it goes into a little bit of gang activity and stuff. And then I'm going to post, because that one's a little bit short, I'm going to post some bonus content later in the week. And I'm going to cover the f- top five cases that keep me up at night. Oh. And they're all American. None of them oh. are Canadian. Okay. Well, that's good, because you'd be even worse if they were Canadian. Like, and they're near me. Yeah, right. And we're, they're in my proximity. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, another great night together, Madeleine. I look forward to our next one. Me too. I want to thank you for joining Madeleine and I for this episode of Nighttime. Now, I'm going to start wrapping things up, but before I do, I have some thanks. First, a sincere thank you to Candace and Kate, who were very generous with their time. If anyone listening is interested in reaching out to either of them, I've added links in the episode description that'll get you there. Next, I want to give a big thanks to Monty Data for contributing the music for this episode, and a shout out to LJ from the Dystopian Simulation podcast, who provides my intro and outro voiceovers. And then, lastly, but most importantly, I have a massive thank you to every one of you listening to Nighttime, as without your interest and your support, this show would be as pointless as it would be impossible. Now on the topic of support, I want to thank the newest subscribers to the premium feed. Shandell, Emma, and Kay, thank you for going premium. And if anyone else would like to support the show, you can help us out in a variety of ways. First of all, a premium feed subscription costs only a couple dollars a month and both funds the creation of the show while giving you access to an ad-free two-day early release with a full back catalog of nighttime episodes. And if for whatever reason you don't want to go premium, you can still help the show by simply sharing this episode on social media and letting your like-minded friends know what we're doing over here. If anyone listening has any story ideas, wants to give feedback on the episodes, or submit a question or comment to be aired and responded to in an upcoming episode, you can do all that and more at nighttimepodcast.com. We hope to hear from you. But until then, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let us know if you see anything weird. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte.